In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserved your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the Sunday called Quinquagesima is written in the first book of Samuel, chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what, you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeem your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. The second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, 
But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I, ta- when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory be to you, o Lord. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Jesus was passing by and he would not pass by that way again. He asks, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Wouldn't you just love that? Even if just one opportunity for the Son of God, Jesus, to to stand in front of you and to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? The truth is that you and I are not really that much different from this blind beggar near Jericho. You also live in a world of blindness, a fallen world, in a fallen body, where sin, death, and the devil wage war against your body, against your life, against your relationships, sometimes by our own fault, sometimes by the fault of others. All of these things we want to be gone. We want these things to go away and for good things to come to us, like peace and security, money, health, respect. In our gospel for today, we see a man in desperate need. Desperate to be heard by Jesus. Others wanted him to be quiet. He was causing a bit of a scene. But he would not be stopped. He would not be silenced. If you and I are not really that much different than him, why are we so silent in comparison? Why do we not, like him, cry out desperately? We, we do cry, Lord, have mercy, because the liturgy teaches us to say it. But who of us would come up with that on our own? How many of us would still sing it or say it if the crowds or the police or just the rules of politeness told you to Keep quiet. Is it because we are not in so desperate need of mercy? Or is it because we don't think that Jesus, maybe, maybe he isn't really concerned with our real needs, including our physical ones? Or do we just take it for granted that Jesus will probably pass by this way again and that we can always ask him later on if things really get that bad? Or is it because at least so far we've managed to somehow avoid the mark of death and decay upon our lives? And things are going pretty well right now, thank you very much. I fear that we may avoid crying out for mercy. We may avoid looking desperate enough to, to need to be heard by Jesus because we feel like we really need to look like we have it all together. Especially when we come to church. In fact, it sometimes happens that that people will avoid coming to church altogether because they don't have it all together. And their life feels like it's just coming apart at the seams or it is not turning out as they had hoped that it would. Or perhaps we just Sing along, Lord, have mercy, but as soon as that page of the ordo is turned, we get over our desperate need and we move on. And we think to ourselves or we try to convince ourselves that everything is all right and that we really don't need Jesus anymore. But if we do not need him, if we do not need him enough to cry out to him, Lord, have mercy, and mean exactly that, that we are lost without his aid. That we cry out as if if this is the last chance that we'll ever have to get help. If we do not cry out, 
then we will never get to hear him say, what do you want? Unless we have desperate need of him, he passes by. Unless we repent, he has nothing to give us. See, if we pretend that we have no need of him because we don't want to make a scene, we don't want to seem needy, especially when Jesus is passing by, that is, when he's close enough to hear us and that we're close enough to hear him, if we pretend to have no need of him, then we will receive none of the things which he wishes to give. But, lest you think that it's too late to cry out to him, lest you think that he has passed you by never to return again, that, that you've missed your opportunity, I want you to remember where Jesus was going as he passed through Jericho that day. He was going to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Jesus would, he told them, he would be delivered over to the Gentiles, mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon, killed, and on the third day rise. Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And there he faces the scorn and the contempt precisely of those who felt no need for mercy, no need for him at all. And yet all of this he does, he does for them. He does this even for those who mock and spit upon him no less than for those who loved him. He does this for those who who kept others from crying out to him no less than those who did cry out. He does all of this for those who gave in and hid their need from him even when they needed him the most. In other words, he was passing by. He went on to Jerusalem not to leave you behind, but to save you. Jesus went on from there to Jerusalem. He went to the cross, to the grave. And then he passed by again, went away, ascended into heaven. Now Jesus' disciples didn't understand it all at the time. Not really until he had risen from the dead. Not until he had ascended and finally sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then it became clear that it's through the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to send that Jesus passes our way again. Jesus passes by you. Not by sight, but by faith, by his word, by his promise. Jesus is here because he said so. We have been humbled by his love, a perfect love that does never fail, the only one, humbled by our sinfulness and our lack of love. We are beggars in desperate need of mercy. If Jesus is passing our way, how could we ever let him pass by again? But fall down on our knees and cry out as we do every Sunday, Lord, have mercy. And listen to hear Jesus say, come here. What do you want? There he stands in front of us, ready to give you everything, which is what he has already done. He has given to you even his own life. And now as he passes your way again, he gives the forgiveness of sins through his servant. He gives the forgiveness of sins in holy absolution. And through bread and wine, he gives today the forgiveness of sins in his Holy Supper. He says, what do you want? 
And the answer of faith is, Lord Jesus, I want you. This faith saves you. And in it, he comes to you for all of you, for everything, including everything that ails you in body, mind, or spirit, for every need. He comes for your knees and your back and your stroke and your cancer, for your loneliness, your depression, your anxiety, for your guilt, for your fear, for your despair. What do you want me to do, Jesus asked. Faith answers, I want, I want everything. Jesus, I want you. And he gives his life for yours. But it turns out this isn't a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's an every-Sunday opportunity for you. But it matters little how often because we have the greatest need every time Jesus passes by. Though perhaps this time might be the last time. This time might be your last opportunity to receive life from Jesus before he releases you from this world of sorrow. And there will be no more begging, no more blindness, no more dying. but you'll have him. And then, when he passes by again, when you do see him again, not vaguely as in a mirror, but face to face, whether he comes on the clouds or whether he comes to call you forth from your grave, when you see him again face to face and he asks, what do you want? You say, Lord, I want to live. He says, he who lives and believes in me will live and never die. Do you believe this? Then you have it. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord our God, you have opened the eyes of the blind to see and the ears of the deaf to hear. As we prepare to enter the season of Lent, open our eyes and ears anew through the preaching of your law and gospel to see and hear your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserve your church and her ministers. Give to all pastors courage to embrace gladly the crosses of their office, that following their example, all Christians may also bear the, the reproach of the world, the attacks of Satan and the temptations of the flesh, in the confidence of Christ's redemption. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserve the family and all godly Christian homes. Give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith in word and example. Keep all children in the promise you made to them in their baptism. Let the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love have no end among us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserve the state and its servants. To all whom you have given authority, bestow also the wisdom needed to use it dutifully for the benefit of those under authority. Turn us from every evil in judgment, law, or action, and renew in us and our fellow citizens discernment and selflessness. Lord, in your mercy, Preserve your holy communion and your son's blessed supper among us. Give contrition and faith to those who gather at this altar. Unite them in their confession of your truth and so bring them worthily to eat and to drink Christ's body and blood for their forgiveness and life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, heavenly Father, have mercy on us and open our eyes to be fixed on the son of David at all times. Give us courage to follow him through all adversity and every assault of the devil, to view his passion with repentant hearts and with delight, for by it you have redeemed us from all sin and evil. Comfort us with the certainty of Christ's resurrection, by which we too have the confidence of eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. And we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. 
By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By his rising from the grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach your table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty. With these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make, remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension. We give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us, and we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death, and through faith in his blood, we in your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We give you thanks, O Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Just one quick, or a couple quick reminders. Uh, this is the third Sunday of the month, so we have our, our potluck uh, dinner today, so you're welcome to stay and join us for that. This afternoon, we have our annual hymn festival, which we've been working hard, putting a lot of preparations uh, into four o'clock this afternoon. Hope that you can join us and, and continue singing with us this afternoon. Uh, and thanks to John Bellman for playing organ for us this morning. He's one of our organists for this afternoon, too. God be with you. <laughs>